Gentlemen, start your engine. Good afternoon, radio. For those who don't know, radio hotter. Thanks for coming and making time. It's on everybody's mind. For those who don't know, there's a big shebang. Sorry about that. Sorry, my little uh, um, technical um, goodies. Radio hotter. Oh, cheers, boys. Cheers. Cheers. Listeners, and welcome to an English version of Radio Hot Lap here in Bury St Edmunds. And with me, joining me on the show today, is International Borley. Hello, Gov. How are you, mate? <laughs> I think I, I, I think that's enough of the accents, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Let's just get back to normal. People will switch off. How are you? I'm good. That's great, mate. Um, I'm good, indeed. Diff- Good to see you on the show a few weeks ago in Australia, and uh, here I am on the other side of the world, and the, the weather's turned itself upside down. Um, yes, it is um, significantly colder. In fact, well, actually, it's a bit of a heat wave at the moment. It is 7.4 degrees, according to the little remote weather station thing that I've got hanging on the wall here. What is that? Got a little cable that goes outside. No, it's got a little, um, I don't know whether it's Bluetooth or some infrared kind of thing. There's a little sensor that sits outside the window, and... Uh, 7.4, and of course for those listeners in uh, in America that are re- listening to Radio Hot Lap, that would be 45 degrees Fahrenheit. Got, it all, got it all covered. We've got nothing to talk about today, we went straight into the weather on episode 13. Yes. <laughs> episode 13, that's a bit of an ominous number, and I suppose we have well, to start off... Well, it's very ominous because you have no beer. <laughs> that's right. We don't have any beer. That's the exact reason why it's a, it's a, prior pre- it's ominous. Yeah, prior preparation and planning prevents poor performance. But well, however, that's not really the case, is it? However, it's not such a bad thing because it's, there really wasn't any nice beer. Um, no, no. Um, so we've had to substitute something terrible. Something. Well, it's not terrible. In fact, we found this at my favourite little wine shop in Cambridge, which is about the only decent place that you can get. Um, that you can get decent wine in this country, and it's a bottle of Tin Shed Melting Pot Shiraz from the Eden Valley. So um, very nice indeed, and back uh, I, I believe that that um, wine, the grapes from that wine, come from the, uh, the the vines directly next to the Hill of Grace that Henschke uh, have just about cornered the market on in the probably Beating Grange, which we're saving for your fiftieth birthday in a couple of years' time. <laughs> Behave. <laughs> it's not a couple of years time. Couple, it's all, it's all couple. from you. Have <laughs> I just been fired? <laughs> you wish. <laughs> yeah, it's unfortunate that we have to start the show off today with some very, very sad news. Uh, last week and a few, and the week before, we had uh, Linda on the on the on the show, and uh, she was talking um, uh, extensively about uh, the uh, Lisbon Dakar event and how we were all looking forward to that. And um, it's uh, very sad news to say that uh, the South Australian rider from Keith, who was driving, riding the uh, KDM and the Repsol team, Andy Caldicott, uh, was uh, killed in an accident on the ninth stage uh, yesterday. Very sad. Yes, it's um, definitely one of the... Um, well, something has really uh, sh- shaken me around a bit, and I'm, I'm not very well composed for the show today, uh, and I... Uh, I have to take my mind back to thinking of something else in my life that happened, um, which gave me the same sort of jolt. It would have to be Ayrton Senna's death. I suppose um, it was uh, 
last year, only, only last year going over to the Mount Buller Sprint that I actually stop in at, at Andy's shop. He was away. And um, I, went, I said, where is Andy? Um, and said, oh, well, he's just finished the, the Dakar. So he's um, probably sunning himself on a beach in Tunisia or something like that. And they smiled sweetly and I gave him a couple of hats and, and moved on. And I uh, thought, well, if I'm going to buy a bike in the future, I'll be buying it there. But uh, that's very, very sad, and um, <coughs> you know, uh, we felt even though we didn't know him, but we thought he was—he was part of the show for the last couple of weeks. Well, especially you know, being an old trials rider yourself, kind of thing. I suppose that's kind of near and dear to your heart, kind of thing. Something like Paris Dakar, and certainly very sad, and um, you yeah, know, particularly um, you know, being an Adelaide boy uh, or a, a South Australian boy as such. It, um, you know, there was quite a lot of quite a lot of media coverage of his. Of his efforts, which was kind of good to see, and unfortunately, it's you know it's got the coverage now in the worst in the worst possible way. Um, tragically, over the past couple of years, this, Andy's now the third guy that uh, has unfortunately died during the during the event, and there's been a lot of talk. Uh, well, there's been a lot of talk really in the, in the past twelve months, and uh, it'll be raised even more so now um, about safety standards and one of the ideas they're actually talking about is is a Hans de- is a blo- is something that will do the same job as the Hans device will do in a racing car is the problem problem they have they're doing 150 miles an hour across the desert hit a bump go over the handlebars well if you go and land on your head at 150 mile an hour uh, in soft sand because you don't it's it's not like a road racing bike where you're going to you're going to bounce off the tarmac kind of thing and keep rolling. If you hit the tarmac at 150 mile an hour, there's a fair chance. If you hit the sand at 150 mile an hour, there's a fair chance your head's going to get stuck in the sand and the body's going to keep going. And um, unfortunately, you'll end up with a broken neck. Which um, you know the, the need to investigate ways of motor racing is dangerous. It says that on the back of the ticket, but you know we always need to kind of look to ways to try and improve things. Yeah, it's um, difficult to know how they're going to be able to engineer a product to do that job um, without, uh, you know, um, destroying the dexterity that the riders on a motorcycle need. A little bit different to sitting in a race car where their back is effectively pinned to a seat. Yeah, it's kind of. It's also kind of one of those things that if it's also if it's the if it's the same for everybody, you know, you had all the Formula One drivers bemoaning the Hans device when it first came in and being kind of prima donnas and not wanting to wear it. Um, now it's mandatory. They have no choice. It does restrict your it does restrict your movement of your head. You can't kind of move from side to side as much. You can't move up and down as much. But um, you know that's a small price to pay for um, keeping your head attached to the rest of your body when you hit a wall at 150 mile an hour. Um, and you know there there will probably need to be some kind of compromise. Um, you know, in that regard, when it comes to these bike guys, I, I think in the future. Unfortunately, out of something uh, tragic, usually comes something good. Andy um, has got a, had a, a long history of, of off-road motorcycle racing, and uh, at the tender age of eight, started competing, and at the age of ten, was starting to win numerous motocross uh, junior motocross titles. At fifteen years old, he, he spent the next uh, ten years of his of his racing career winning state motocross titles and the famous Mister Motocross title. Um, then um, took a bit of a break from racing and then came back a bit later to get into vintage motocross um, and uh, what win two world vintage motocross champions championships. Um, in 1999, he started to get interested in long-distance uh, enduro racing, effectively would be looked at as the Australian Safari. Um, got into it in 1999, had an injury and was first forced to retire. 
but then came back the following year in 2000 to win the event and backed it up with three more consecutive wins all the way through to 2003. And um, it was a busy year for him in 2002 because he also took out the Fink Desert Race from um, Alice Springs to Fink, which is a, a pretty uh, a pretty uh, a tough race in its own right. They the, the riders travel from from Alice Springs following the old Garn Railway line down to Fink. And, uh, and 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 come back the next day, and, and it's got so serious that, that, that the lead riders are actually um, employing people in, in helicopters to, to spot for them, hmm. um, and they're in uh, in in, um, in in audio you know, contact with the guys there. I think the, um, the the helicopter costs about ten grand to hire, and there's about fifty bucks prize money. But you know, like if you live in the middle of Australia, where as Chopper would say, it's hot or hot and wet forever the next thousand years. Well. Uh, you know, you, you just take your take your wins where you where you can get it. Um, he then uh, turned to um, uh, two thousand and four. He turned to the the Paris Dakar, which was um, the, his first attempt down there. Um, and uh, he had a um, I'm not sure what happened there in that first year there, but the second year, like last year, he he won a couple of stages and came in the, the top ten, um, and that was that was uh, really really uh, great. And it was only this year where he got uh, recently asked to, to join the Repsol, the Spanish Repsol KDM team um, uh, at the last moment there when uh, Jordi Duran had injured himself in, in December and he wasn't going to compete because he didn't have uh, sponsorship in place but uh, managed to get asked, uh, quite rightly so, to join the team there and um, took out the very first stage at the top of Africa, stage three only to um, end up on the ground, unfortunately. Yeah, very sad. And, you know, our condolences go to his family and it's, you know, it's you feel even worse when you read... Absolutely. And the, when you read the you know the story in the advertiser this morning, you've got a three-year-old child and, a, you know, another baby on the way. Um, you know, it's that, that's the, the human part of the tragedy is, you know, far greater than the sport. Um, in fact, there's a couple of kids growing up without their dad. So. That's right, and it's a great loss to the community of um, of Keith. In fact, I just happened to see on on the internet today there was a he was such a, a well liked person in that community and and did so much for so many people. There's a picture of a guy who was, drove around. He had the big picture of of Andy on the back of his Ute. He was just such a, such his hero. So, you know that that's going to be very tough for a little town there um, on the uh, on the main road going across to to Victoria. So, uh, yes, our, our thoughts are, are there. But, um, you know, I suppose one could, look, one could argue that he, he uh, met his demise doing something he loved. Um, it's not much consolation, though, but uh, he will be remembered as the greatest uh, rally uh, a motorcycle rider Australia has ever had. So, moving on to something more pleasant. Paul, what have you got for us, mate? Uh, just been up to have a look at your uh, Multimatic operation there. In Thetford, uh, pretty impressive. I oh, know I'm not allowed to say anything. I'm under no, non-disclosure. It's all, it's un- yeah, it's all, all very secret school, but yeah, certainly a lot of um, a lot of activity going on. Of course, we're headed um, we're headed up to the uh, the Auto Sport Show at the NEC Birmingham, which we've uh, seen in the Auto Sport mag in uh, you know exported to Australia over all these years, and neither of us have been to the show before, so that's certainly going to be. Uh, a bit of a highlight in the next couple of days, and catching up with a bit of a bit of a who's who of uh, motor racing, including some of our old mates like Alan Simonson and David Brabham, and 
um, catching up with Johnny Molum on Friday. There's, you know, it's going to be a, a merry band of uh, of international. <laughs> well, there's got to be a catching up for a cuppa with a, yeah, with a few. It is an English saying, a cuppa of cuppa of what? Well, cuppa of well, when it comes to people like Brabs and myself, would be, you know. Getting stuck into a nice cup of, um, you know, herbal. Le- lemon herbal tea or green tea or um, chamomile or something. I'm not quite sure of Brab's exact uh, yeah. tea and choices. Alan and I will be having a couple of bevies <laughs> for sure. Yeah. He'll be just like, he's going to Yeah, well, you know, what you, you know what you Kiwis and Danes are like, you know, that's the problem. What do you mean by that, Kiwis and Danes? What's what? the story with Kiwis? Well, you know, you were born and bred over there. Um, you were kind of a doc- an adopted Australian after all these years, but... Uh, there you go. Paul, I shook the mare's hand a long, long time ago. I don't know what you're on about. It is... A, you must be able to tell us a little bit of secret stuff that's going on there at at at, at, uh, at uh, Multimatic there. There was a um, pretty fat-looking car there, I, I saw yes. today. Am I allowed to say anything about it? No. All right. Okay. Well, it was blue and it's, it's, it's in there to get legal. It, it's blue It's blue and it's fat. No, it's in, in there to get fast. No, actually, I can tell you a little bit about that... Um, Moni Matic are providing some engineering for um, the Team Go Maserati that's going, that's going to be competing in the Japanese GT Championship this year, which um, is going to be driven by Jan Magnussen and uh, Sergi Ara, who, of course, drove the Audi with Tom Christensen and Dindo Capello to win Le Mans a couple of years ago. So we're providing a bit of engineering services for that. There's a Formula 3 team that's in at the moment. We have a four-post rig that's extremely busy um, at this time of the year. And uh, it's certainly uh, certainly a lot happening. There may not be a lot um, happening out on the racetracks around England at the moment because it's pouring with rain and cold and miserable, but a lot of the engineering behind-the-scenes boffin-type work is going on um, at, at a pace. Why are four-post rigs so important in uh, engineering of race cars, Paul? Have you looked at the weather? Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, that that, I, but, that that well, but it also takes away the driver's skill, doesn't it? Yeah, well, that well, that I mean, that's less that likely is, to hit anything. That is it? the big problem. Where yeah, you you well, unless rigs and wind tunnels, unless um, unless your Toyota debuting the new Craftsman truck two years ago, where they didn't bolt it down properly in the wind tunnel and it kind of come off its um, fixtures at 150 mile, in the 150 mile an hour wind and crashed in the wind tunnel when it debuted a couple of years ago. That was pretty funny. I'm pleased to report that we've never crashed a car on a four-post rig, um, which would be pretty hard to do, really, unless you kind of the rig had a major malfunction and you actually kind of launched the thing into the roof. Hence, you're never there tying it down. No, no, Because you no, wouldn't no. want to be... No, 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 I'm not responsible for that. Um, I'll, I'll well, you're not responsible. I'll, I'll leave that to the experts. Now, the four-post rig, you basically the amount of data and so forth that you can get on the behavioural science of the car and, and being able to fine-tune a setup that gets you kind of in the ballpark and to know... Um, what the car is going to do before you actually arrive at the racetrack. So it's not you're not relying on the seat of the pants in, info from the driver. You know that when the car when the car comes off the four post rig is set up properly, hits the track. You know you're going to be around the mark, and it's only going to be kind of minor things like aero and so forth, which it, which you can't test. But for mechanical grip, it provides you with a very precise um, input as to exactly how to maximise the car to get the right um, 
um, in regards to suspension travel um, and getting your cameras and casters and travel and damping and bump and rebound and high speed bump and low speed bump and lots of boffin type terms that some of the listeners will be familiar with others will think we're talking a different language but it is extremely intense and you know Formula 1 teams you know, they talk a lot about wind tunnel work and stuff like that and cars on a tunnel 24 hours a day there's also they have they have rigs where they have cars on all the time and in fact um, we have a number of Formula 1 cars that you know the teams have their own rig yet they still send the car into us to um, um, bounce it up and down on our rig and, but that, uh, that would be uh, in keeping with the fact that you're actually uh, making the shock absorber components the, the diamond, dynamic suspension components for the, the, the F1 teams yeah but not, not necessarily it's not confined to just our dampers um, it, um, you know, we, we have cars on the rig that use all manner of different brands that are that are available and, and the science is the same um, the damper is really con- controlling the flow of oil that goes through the um, you know when you hit a bump or when you go over a curb mm. or, or when you when the downforce kicks in at 150 mile an hour and the car gets pushed into the ground controlling that and finding the optimum settings for, for those situations is what the four post rig does which sounds very boffin-like. I would have loved to have had a look in that um, in that F1 room there, but it was frosted glass, and I was threatened with the um, bag over the head job on the way home to the 15 yep. page, which probably would have been about the same sort of yep. view as I got out the windscreen. They would I? never find the body <laughs> in the desert. <laughs> yes. Well. Um, I have to say, Paul, uh, I've, it, it's it's a nice little town here, Bury St Edmunds, and I, I've been wandering around the streets aimlessly yesterday. In fact, it was really good because I just it's it's ye olde worldy, it's cobblestone streets, and there's all sorts of um, interesting things that I, I found to, um, uh, to 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 see. At eleven fifteen yesterday, I managed to get to the Queen's Head, um, where I had a, a half a pint of India Pale Ale and and enjoyed that. Uh, Quite, uh, quite nicely, followed by moving straight on to 11.45 to the Dog and Partridge, where a uh, half pint of uh, Green King IPA was consumed. That was a light alcohol beer made by the uh, the brewery here in town. A local brewery, right here in Bury St Edmunds? Of uh, course, did you find out why the town is called Bury St Edmunds? No, I haven't. Well, the town used to be called Bury, until once upon a time, many, many years ago, they beheaded St Edmunds here. Um, and as a mark of uh, respect for taking off his head, they um, King Edmund. King, oh, is it King Edmund. What's that, Jim? King Edmund. King Edmund. King Edmund. Um, so King Saint, whatever Eddie. Eddie lost his head here, so they decided to um, add his name to the um, add his name to the town. Well, it's a pretty kidsy place, and it's got uh, thirteen pubs. I didn't get near any, uh, near, anywhere near that many. But uh, I did manage to have a nice little vegetable soup uh, at the Mason Arms um, <coughs> at half past twelve, and then went on to Cafe Nero for a for a coffee after that. Uh, very comfortable couches. Looking down there, Abbey Gate, little cobblestone street, and um, it was just a lovely day. I really enjoyed that. It was a lot of it was a lot nicer than um, well, a lot more relaxing um, than uh, my time in Japan uh, a few days prior because I could read things. Yes, it was all in the right language for you. Look, I flew over on, on JAL, and that, that was uh, was pretty interesting, and I flew up the pointy end on the 777 coming over there, but there wasn't a single item of... Uh, so Radio Hotlap's making far too much money. Must be all, all this bevy of sponsorship that's come flooding in 
Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was very nice. Uh, yes, all sponsorship proposals was gratefully received. Uh, but, uh, very nice up there, but there wasn't a single thing to, to read other than half the menu um, on um, on the flight. But that was that was pretty interesting, you know. Like I've never been on triple seven before, and the, the things they definitely accelerate down the runway. Have you been on one? No, no, no. They've got two huge. No, I sit up the back of the bus. So. Peddling. <laughs> but uh, when I was at the. Um, a couple of things, a couple of interesting things happened when I was at the airport. <coughs> See, it's um, very healthy uh, over here in um, <coughs> English weather. Excuse my coughing. Oh yes, it's when the coffin, it's when the coffin stops, and you, they put you in a coffin when you need to worry. So it was very, uh, it was very interesting when I was in uh, at Narita waiting to get on the plane. I sort of went down to the the, the Satoro Club, which is the gel uh, uh, club there. And, and sat and watched um, watched people going out to, you know, on the planes. It was it was very very interesting. It was an enormous airport, but I thought look there'd be nothing better than me watching with a beer in my hand. So I decided to go over and, 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 and get a beer. And the glasses were in the fridge, and I grabbed the glass, and I went I can't find the beers anywhere. I was opening the cupboards underneath the the napkins, and I just couldn't find a beer. And you <coughs> realised that actually the beer was a dispensing machine. And so it's put you put your glass down. I put my glass down. There and, and, and next minute, it's it's taken the glass and it's tilted it up at forty five degrees and it's pouring beer into the glass. There's two little spouts there, and um, the uh, then the glass just sort of tilted down to about a fifteen degree angle. And then it completed uh, injecting the beer into it, and then the second pipe started and added the froth on top. Oh, well, that's very, very <laughs> fancy. <laughs> it gave me a bit of a fright to, to start with. So like, uh, is this like the cut down on? Um Cut down on wages for bar staff. Well, definitely, and it's cut down on wastage as well. And for, for it, it actually was very good, well poured beer. Um, I, I did a bit of a search on the net for it, but I couldn't find anything today on it. I found that the company. And even if you could, it was probably being Japanese. So. Well, yeah, but it would have been a picture of the damn thing. Oh, okay. So there I was sitting at the window, looking at, and the seven forty seven Jal was. Was 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 moved out like the, the the men came along with the machine that that, that pushed the, the the thing out into the main runway or wherever the, the marshalling area, and and the baggage handlers and all that were all fluffing around, and um, all there with their white gloves on and everything like that, and as soon as it had been turned around and, and off, let let to go off on its own, all these the three or four guys they ended up getting in a row in the middle of the the tarmac there and standing to attention and waved with their white gloves on at everybody in the plane. As it as it went off, isn't that nice? And it was very nice, and I looked up there, and there was the captain with his white glove waving out the window as well. And when the, when the plane had just about disappeared, they did the uh, courteous Japanese bow. John bow. You wouldn't <laughs> find that. You wouldn't find that at Kingsford Smith. They go. No. Gone yet? <laughs> no, and we won't have any jokes about. Um legal troubles of baggage handlers in Sydney or anything <laughs> we may get, be under threat of um, legal dramas by bringing that oh, up there, there was one magazine I, I found on the on the plane that I could sort of read a little bit it was called Premium and Cool Lifestyle magazine well that's well, that's, that's, that's all you <laughs> You can you google that up and see if you can find something there about that Premium and what's Cool what's it called Premium and Cool Lifestyle magazine Premium and cool. And while you do that, mate, there was something on the TV that you showed me the other day, and I really hadn't seen this before. Shed racing. What's it all about? Shed racing. What I was showing you <clears throat> was the um, World of Outlaws Late Model Championship. 
which of course is sedan type cars racing on dirt. And in our in our younger days, we used to um, nickname the well, what we what we call the Grand National cars. Um, Have some pork blobs. We used to no, they're foul. Um, <laughs> we used to nickname them sheds because they're basically this big fiberglass boxy looking body that kind of looked like your garden shed that was kind of slightly shorter. Um, but I'm quite surprised you, you, you've never seen anything like that. We've never we've never managed to drag you they out. Look, they look like like I mean I've seen sprint cars obviously, but I've never seen one of those things before. They look like they they look like they've just been like squashed. Um, yeah, they're pretty low. They are pretty low. I was actually hoping to actually tape um, World of Outlaws sprint car racing so we can you know to continue on what Gary Baxter was mentioning a couple of weeks ago, we could continue your dirt track education, your enlightenment to um, to bring you across to the, the world's greatest form of motorsport. But unfortunately, it was the um, right surface, wrong vehicle. So uh, we'll have to that will have to wait another day. There are some really strange things going on in um, in England. I know, but they're strange because they're different. And today I've been learning about... Um, I just noticed been, that, that, that on the front page of The Independent today... I was going to say, what have you been reading? I've been reading The, the Independent, the newspaper of the year, and I, I, it wasn't too bad. And it, it says here, um, Blair versus Yobbs. He's going, to, he's going to, he's trying to rid the country of all this hooliganism and everything like that. And I've learned, how to, learned about this, um, this government policy called ASBOS, which stands for Antisocial Behaviour Orders. But it doesn't seem to work. And it doesn't seem to work because here's a couple of samples that I've read. Margaret Porter, 50, from Yorkshire, was given a six-year ASBOS for attacking her brother with a stick of rhubarb last March. <laughs> a stick of rhubarb? Yes. And they're, in the, they're in... They're in... They're the, um, well, it's probably and, the equivalent of like a restraining order. I think it's just a slap on the wrist, kind of, don't be a bad... A slap on the wrist? Well, how's this? Kim Sutton from Bath, who had tried to commit suicide four times, received, received one of these bannings from, uh, and said, you're not allowed to jump into rivers, canals or onto railway lines. But they forgot she was trying to kill herself. Uh-huh. Caroline Shepherd, 27, was given one after neighbours complained about wearing skimpy underwear while answering the door. I mean, I wouldn't be complaining. Well, depends what she looks like. <laughs> Yeah, that is true. <laughs> hey, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not having a dig. I'm not having a dig at my fellow English compatriots here. She might be very nice. She, if she, now, I mean, I'd be saying if she looked like Linda, well, you'd be. You'd, well, I've never, I've never met Linda. Linda, is, Linda is very suitable to wear skimpy underwear. <laughs> Giggles on the back row. <laughs> yeah, we just had that. It just had that, like the the death knell of radio. That pregnant pause, that dead air kind of thing. That um... anyway, and, moving and, on. And, what and, else? And, and, what? and just one more, Paul, because it's got your name in there. Ryan Wilkinson, eleven, was given one of these asbos after, alleg- after allegations of burglary, glue sniffing. And assaulting a seven-year-old by throwing a scooter at a packed bus in Leeds. Okay. Anyway, that's just, that's just page two news. <laughs> just thought well, you'd like to hear that. It's in, that's one thing the English have um, 
And hello to all the um, English um, viewers, listeners, readers. Readers. Well, I'm not they're, quite they're sure. Viewers. I mean, yeah, but I, I still can't work out how you call them viewers. There's nobody watching. They, they, they have a picture in their mind. Now, now, that, now, this is interesting. We're going way off track here, but um, you mean it's not a rehearsed subject? No, 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 no. <laughs> no, when you go into um, when you listen to Radio Hot Lab or listen to any one of these shows, is that you have this picture in your mind of what these people look like, and now with video casting, it takes out all. Like you can the you, magic. You you now realise why some of these people have just been on radio before, because they have a very good head for radio. Oh, well, look, we've put it. We've been bold enough to put our pictures up on the website at radiohotlap.com. You know, like yeah, we've tried to keep uh, you know silly photos there. There's not much Photoshop going on there at all. The doctors are a worry here in uh, in in England as well. And we'll get back on the motorsport in a minute. But yeah, um, be, care, know, be careful you're not turning off all, all our English um, viewers. I'm not. Readers. I've been there okay. in the paper too. I'm, I'll, I'll just say that all the English viewers and listeners and readers have agreed to this. They've all gone and signed the statement, going, "Look, we don't have a problem with Dr. Colin Bone, sixty, having a sex change operation, or rather, as they like to call it, a." Gender reassignment. <laughs> so Dr. Bone will be coming back to work, assuming his same role as Miss Celia McLeod. What's his name? <laughs> Dr. Colin Bone. Dr. Bone. Dr. Bone's coming down Dr. Back as Miss Celia McLeod. Doctor... But, and his wife's okay with it, and so's his 27-year-old son. I was going to say, Dr. Bone sounds like a misnomer if he's having a sex change. He's not bone <laughs> <laughs> yes. Bit of technology going on, mate. Lots of technology. Well, of last course, week. Like you, shall I? Over to you. Go ahead, over over you. You're Mr. Tech. Yeah. Of course, the big, uh, big predictions. Macwell. Well, we we do need to do a bit of a rev up on uh, on CES in well, see, Well, and, and this is and this is going to be the ultimate boys tour at some point in time to do. The CES, which for those who don't know, is the Consumer Electronics Show in um, Las Vegas. Las Vegas, um, followed by the Detroit Auto Show, which of course has all the car toys. So we have all our electronic toys, then we have all our car toys. Followed by, we will be doing a tour, and people can come along and pay us a small sum of money to. Uh, in fact, to I think. I, in them. fact, I think that's a great idea. Followed by MacWorld. And um, all paying homage to um, hair jobs. Uh, yeah, I have to go to Slots of Fun because that's a particularly interesting uh, section of uh, CES where there is crap games going on while you get to view the technology at the same time. So you can actually lose money in both areas. Oh, exactly. Well, I'd actually rather lose money at CES and actually come away with something that I can then play with, not just put it in a slot machine and. But and then followed by, then of course followed by the uh, the autosport shows. So you get technology, um, cars, Mac stuff, iPods, etc., uh, etc. Et followed by motorsport. Well, they were a bit. Is there a wine? Is there a wine show that, or a beer show that we there can is. kind of uh, we'll we can, be putting we can our own on here okay. in, in Barry St. Edmunds? Okay. But uh, it is unfortunate that they have been quite inconsiderate, MacWorld this this year, um, and that the fact that at this very moment. In San Francisco, Mr. Jobs is up on stage doing his blah blahdy blah and we'll be bringing... We could be, we could go in and tell you exactly what's going on a little bit later in the show. We might sneak... But in we may do on. another show on that. Exactly. And I thought we would, and thought we'd, we'd be, it'd be interesting to see whether we could uh, 
get a perspective from maybe um, Brabs and uh, and Simonson on that because they I think they're gadget guys. They're gadget guys. Brabs is a PC guy though, so you know he's. We'll convert. He's I know he's heathen you know, box, box users, but you know they'll come around. Look, uh, but, but what did you see at the show anyway at CES? At CES, well, the big, um, of course, the big debate that's going on at the moment is this um, uh, high def content um, delivery. Now, in the states, you can get a number of channels where now, if you if your TV can take it. Now, um, luckily here in Bury St Edmunds, we have the new thirty-seven inch plasma. It's a nice piece of screen. It's a nice piece of screen. It's a nice bit of kit, mate. It's a nice bit of kit. It is... It's not full true HD because a a full true HD, which is, what is it, 1900... Yeah, the full full HD, 1080 i or 1080p, i being interlaced, p being progressive, um, is uh, 1920 pixels wide by 1024 pixels high. So there is very, very few pieces... Of I don't think LCD available other than like an Apple cinema display that can actually do resolution. But there's nothing very large yeah. that's doing it. Although there were, um, and, and there were probably some products there at um, at CES that that were able to to display. According that according to what I heard, there were products that were capable but not saleable. Yeah, yeah, sure, you could get one, but it was going to cost you $100,000 or something. In other words, it was made up of titanium. Yeah, yeah. Um, five years' time, three or four years' time, I, I'd probably predict three or four years' time. The big the big thing is is that you can get HD over the air on cable or satellite in the States at the moment with you know a number of key channels like um, HBO and ESPN HD. Um you also Mark Cuban, who's the guy that owns the Dallas Mavericks, has H. Has oh, a, does he own the Dallas Mavericks? Yeah, has has a network called um, HDNet. Yes. Um, so you, absolutely. Well, I used to live there, so I have a rough idea what's going on. Only a rough, a very very rough. Oh, idea. that's very good. Yeah. Um, so you can get content kind of down the line, and once you've seen HD content on a plasma screen or an LCD versus a standard television, you go. Well, this is staggering. It is it is dramatically different, dramatically sharper. Highlights are, are more. It's just it, the whole thing's vivid and alive. It, it really is staggering. the The trouble is, is that standard DVD, um, and which is significantly better than standard VHS videotape, is nowhere near the resolution for HD. So, for those that don't know, we have a. A, v- a VHS versus Betamax, or Betamax, the beta beta debacle once again. Yeah, debacle coming once again. And, and we also had that in the playback arena because there was meant to be a combination player that provided HD DVD playback and Blu-ray, and the chips available actually are capable of doing both decoding but, but you at can, once. But the licensing won't let you do it because there was that. Now that's probably right, but there was nothing available. And yet the formats are all widely widely different. So we have yeah. another uh, a display. You've got two. You've got um, now. I'm not sure of the parties and actually involved. You've basically got you know the big manufacturers, um, and then you, you see the computer manufacturers are also on different sides of the fence too. And the gaming machines. You've got the um, Xbox 360, which is going to be um, HD. Um, what's it called? I don't know. HD um, V. I don't 
We'll look it up. Um, versus Blu-ray. And Blu-ray is the Sony um, is the Sony version, um, which is going to be well, in, was, in we the might new. Be completely wrong. No, 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 no. We're not wrong. No, in in the um, in the PS3, uh, which is coming out in the American Spring this year in the Australian Autumn or, or Fall, if you're listening to it, uh, listening to it in America. Um, so. Both sides of the fence. Neither want to back down. Um, Apple's on one side of the fence. Microsoft's on the other side of the fence. You've got Intel on one side. You've got IBM on the other side. Everybody's taking sides. Um, the, the big loser out there is Joe Public because it is going to uh, hinder the uptake of, uh, of, this new, of this new technology. Speaking yeah. of new technology, the other interesting thing in new technology, which... Um, we were discussing the other day yes. was, um, and we'll get back to some motorsport shortly. But <laughs> high speed, um, high speed access in Australia was a big debate online mm. the other day over the speeds available. And Look, what, I, I definitely think provided. we had a conversation. Yeah, you're right. We had a conversation about that, and I, and I definitely think that uh, that most Australians are being definitely bent over by uh, by um, the, the main suppliers there, specifically Telstra. And the big pond network. It's just simply a case that you know. Sorry, they... just came for a sec. Blu-ray and HD DVD is the other format. Telstra doesn't want to provide anything faster than 1.5 megabits per second, even though their infrastructure is in place to provide ADSL2, like we received from Internode in South Australia, which is particularly wonderful. Um, because their business model doesn't choose to turn that on yet. They still have a lot of. They still have a lot of revenue coming in from that slower speed and people are just ignorant and but then, don't you have suppliers already other suppliers p- providing that faster speed well that's right that's as I said the internet are providing that that, um, that 24 megabit per second ADSL 2 plus or ADSL, ADSL 2 extreme um, and where I live in, in you know 100 metres <coughs> down the, past the, uh, the the end of Bradham Strait on the Clipsal 500 track I'm about 1.3 kilometres from the uh, exchange, I think 24db down, and I'm getting, I'm getting about, about uh, 12 meg, 12 megabits per second. Staggering. Going, going, coming down, and about 1.5 going up. Now, see this, that this is the other, this upload. Now, well, you, you 90% of the pe- 90% of the public are really going to be concerned about download speeds. Well, that's right. But if you're a web developer, you would want, and you might, well, put it this way, if you're a content provider and you were serving off that connection, you'd want a symmetrical connection where you had yeah. the same speed up as you had down. Or, but that's or, really where what, you cast what, your own off. But, but what would be really cool if you could switch it? Paul, we, 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 the, the radio hot lap servers sit in the, in the US and we get a very generous 250 gigabyte of transfer wow. per month for a very low figure. And we use two of those servers a month because we're delivering a little under 500 gigabyte of, of audio transfer. Um, and uh, I don't want to specifically say <coughs> how, how much we're paying, but let's just say that it's about the same price as that bottle of red we're drinking. Very fair indeed. Or a, uh, or a large patch of buffalo wings. Oh, it depends on where you're buying it. Because if you're buying it in Australia, you'd get a lot cheaper than what you're buying it here. Now, just proves that you don't have to be in America to have buffalo wings because uh, Jennifer, a lovely uh, Jennifer, made us a huge 
uh, patch last night and with the uh, official ranch dressing and I uh, thank you very much for that yep. Jennifer clicking away the uh, keyboard of her heathen box in the corner the future Mrs. Ryan is a keeper not only is she a looker she can cook <laughs> you've just got to get hey. that Dell out of her hands <laughs> <laughs> well we'll get her onto a Mac eventually oh, someone's got to keep us on it's a matter of time it's a matter of time now just getting back to HD DVD versus Blu-ray Toshiba is uh, behind the HD DVD. Uh, Sony is the main player behind Blu-ray, and everyone else is um, falling in behind. Uh, Microsoft is in the HD DVD camp. Uh, Apple is in the Blu-ray camp. Dell is in the Blu-ray camp. So it gets very, very, very confusing. Um, the big loser is yourself, myself, Joe Public out there because they're, they're the big losers because there's so much so many acronyms and terms going on that really don't know where, where it's at. And in fact, we had this the discussion about what do all these numbers mean? So let, let's just cl- try and clarify it for people. What's this 1080i and 1080p and 7 Because you listen to some of these other podcasts and... and they assume um, you know everything. And, and, and some, of them are, some of them are actually really good. And if you are, if you, you are getting into the podcast um, phenomena... Um, obviously, we'd love you to keep listening to Radio Hotmail. Well, if they're listening, they'll keep listening. Yeah, absolutely. Some stuff like, uh, if you listen to stuff like Twit and DLTV and so forth, this, if you're into the tech... Yeah, those guys at Dig Nation, yeah. they're pretty funny. Yeah, uh, the Dig Nation guys are really... If you're into the techie stuff, um, actually, we really need like a... They're, they're, they're more than a reverend. Yes, we, 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 we really need a, um, a motorsport-only Dig Nation version. Maybe uh, yeah, maybe we do. Maybe uh, we, we might. I think. In fact, I think we've been we're digressing poorly, international yeah. poorly, and we'll have to come back to that. But let's just clarify what these what, numbers, terms mean? what these numbers mean. Seven twenty means seven hundred and twenty lines of resolution. Ten eighty means ten eighty lines of resolution. I stands for interlaced. P stands for progressive. What does that mean? Well, a television screen that you see in Australia, PAL is 25 frames per second. Every time you see a frame, it's made up of two fields. There's 720 lines there, but it scans the line. It scans the odd lines and then the even lines, and then it sums those two fields together, and that's what gives you a frame. On a computer screen, they scan the the first line, the second line, the third line, the fourth line, all the way down, and then that shows you a complete frame. So the progressive progressive, um, image is, is effectively much, much more stable than a interlaced image. And, uh, yeah, the 1080i basically refers to interlaced high definition and um, 720 standard definition. So the, the highest quality you can possibly get, which would be reflected by, not much, by, by in a computer screen, would be like an Apple cinema display, which would be a 1080i um, output. Then... Well, we're not talking about video because, you know, a, a professional applications like Final Cut Pro, they have all sorts of level of compression added on to the added on to the to the content, uh, which just doesn't give you a, a, a true resolution. You know, a true quality picture. In fact, looking at your Panasonic screen here, it's not just screens wonderful. But uh, the, the content coming over here is absolutely woeful. We were looking at Moaz TV and uh, watching a lap of Surface the, the, Paradise, the, yeah, the, the supercars, and the JPEG artifacting 
is just so bad. The V8 supercar thing is um, well, it's great to get that coverage and to be able to like we normally we normally get on a Sunday. Them. They it is compressed to heck and back, um, and it, yeah, it is uh, it is pretty shaky. However. That is better than watching it on Speed Channel and getting it, um, watching the Clipsal 500 eight months after it actually runs. So, you know, I'll take the artifacting and compressed version any day. So. Well, it's about time we move back into car racing and uh, as we uh, work, work, move away from the world of technology, a final word, I'd like to say that uh, Acer is about to produce a new uh, laptop and it's going to be Lamborghini badged. A nice black notebook. We might see that up at... Uh... And you see Birmingham. <laughs> Birmingham. Birmingham. Oh, yeah. Where I'll be staying at Cobo Trade with Alan. And uh, and you'll be staying in the uh, the, the luxury uh, compounds of the uh, uh, no. media centre. Well, you... Because you, well, you're... A... Hey, these are pretty good, these oven-roasted chicken and chi- chicken and thong chips. From uh, Walkers, which is the British... Um, Chip Company from Leicester. Our old mate um, JP. Hello, mate. How's it down the south? I believe you're opening a shopping centre this week down there. I'm Did sure. You were saying the other day. And I'm, you have to. Um, you've got a bit of. I'm sure, a bit of news for us. I'm, I'm sure it's a lot. Uh, I'm sure it's a lot. Um, lot warmer down there in Australia than. Um, than, than kind of what it is at the moment. But so there was a guy who you told me about this week who was doing some wonderful Photoshop stuff with car racing. Car racing. Russell Brown. Who was he, what was he doing with car racing? Look, I'm trying to give you something to fish on and you're just hopeless. You're meant to be just picking that up and running with it. No, I, don't, I don't get the Russell Brown car racing. Well, he was in Photoshop. He was doing all these Photoshop manipulations with car racing stuff. Not with car racing, he wasn't. We don't edit. These <laughs> <laughs> hopeless listeners. RussellBrown.com, wonderful, wonderful website, and a, uh, a new uh, a new podcast that's uh, that's, that, that's come to town. Paul's lost the plot on that, but yeah, go and have a look at that. He uh, shows you all some wonderful techniques about uh, photo- in Photoshop. But uh, uses a car racing to um, demonstrate it. I thought it was boxing. <laughs> you are hopeless. What's the matter with you? You've been over here too long. <laughs> it's the weather. There's someone who's been warning Ferrari that uh, they might retire. Michael Schumacher. Yeah, Schumacher. Yep. Well, the latest rumor. Put your ca- finger out, or I'm gone. The latest rumor I heard today was that. Um, the, the be a Schumacher brothers combination at Toyota. Oh yes, well they're obviously uh, obviously a bit uh, short on news. Well, I think it's uh, w- um, Willie Weber pumping his um, bank account back up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> pumping his tyres up a bit, kind of thing. Does he manage both of them? Uh, no, no. Ralph sacked him. Oh really? Yeah. So I'm not sure if Ralph has another manager um, himself, but um, yeah, I think Willie's done all right for himself. Um, in his mid si- in his mid 60s now so he probably doesn't really need to work as hard because he's probably made more money than most of us put together so um, but yeah however it's um, in fact just checking the latest news um, she was actually in um, Spain today in Jerez yep oh testing on testing on um, fit of the new V8 engine um, had an off track excursion late in the day 
But his fastest lap was actually a second faster than the nearest challenger, which was Ricardo Zonta in the Toyota. So, um, oh, I love that off-track excursion sort of stuff. Yeah, he, he had an off. He stuffed up. Did he? Yeah. Fell off the road. Caused a red, uh, Both Toyota drivers caused a red flag. Um, but, yeah, this time of year, and you can see now why there's no testing at Silverstone at this time of year in England. Everybody, the whole Formula One circus packs up and moves to Spain because it's the only place where you can get some sunshine. Amazing. There's been a, um, a couple of people on the move in, in um, supercars. I think everybody already knew about it, but just to confirm that uh, Cameron McConville has uh, gone to Super Chief Auto Racing and replaced Paul Wheel yep. there. Um, but uh, things aren't going so good there with uh, Super Cheap Auto in the business side of things. The share price has fallen significantly recently, and it hasn't been aided by the fact that Bob Thorne decided to leave the company, Ooh. or rather move away as um, the managing director or the chairman of the board or whatever the head on show. But I think he's still going to be doing those silly ads on TV with Steve Linder. I've only seen him seen it once. Well, that's enough. And um, Bob's a great bloke. Bob, Bob used to race GT. He does, and he, Bob used to race GTP back in the day. He did, and he also uh, he got in and had someone build him some like fat jag, much like Mike, Mark Trenoweth used to have. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. Tell us about Uncle Bob. Bob, um, Bob's a gentleman racer, I suppose is the, is the best way to put it. Hey, but <laughs> you're looking for a PR gig, aren't you? You can't, you can't, you can't knock him. He was out there having a go, and you can never criticise anyone for out there. Having a go, um, and but no, he's been you know sponsor of course the Bathurst One Thousand, um, ex sponsor of Steve Ellery, now doing a two car team with um, um, Paul and Keys Will, and you know that's going to be a pretty good combination with Conville and Murphy. I think they're going to be um, yeah they're going to be one to watch at Bathurst next year, um, and I think in the whole championship, and it's great for Cam too because um, you know he's gradually moved up the ranks. He started out at Lansvale, um, well originally he started out. With a co-driver spot, and he's very media friendly. Yeah, absolutely. Started as a co-driver spot at Dick Johnson Racing many, many years ago when he was a kid, and unfortunately crashed the thing at the top of the hill, and he kind of got sent to Siberia, and that was kind of back before the days where the young kids were. This is back pre-lounge, um, you know, when young kids became the order of the day and the, the thing to have in your thing to have in your car. And he's gradually fought his way back, and he's now back into one of the top seats, and I think I think that's kind of great to see. Another little bit of news uh, in the uh, Ute category, James, young James Harrigan, who um, had uh, come second in the Lotus Trophy Series, has scored the uh, second car in the Coopers Pale Ale Racing uh, alongside um, Ian McAllister, and will be off to New Zealand in a couple of weeks' time to, to compete uh, in the green vehicle. Not quite sure what the th- who's going to be running the third vehicle, as I understand it. Well, we know Alan Simonson won't be returning to that category. Um, he has bigger and better things to pursue in, in this part of the world and no doubt we'll be finding out more about what's uh, going on in his schedule over here in the next few days as well as his uh, V8 supercar program which I'm sure will be in some form of endurance uh, 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 um, event um, but uh, it looks like Jack Ellsgood is, is doing his own thing and won't be there in the in the Cooper's Power uh, Racer so who knows will be in the third car might be you, Paul. I was going to say, where do I bring my helmet? I like a Cooper's or two. In fact, we can get it here in Bury St Edmunds. Is that right? Yep, there's a little place here called Beer to Go that actually sells Coopers, sells some other Australian... Coopers Pale Ale? Coopers Pale Ale. Sparkling? Sparkling. Um, 
Gotta be careful with the sparkling. That can bite yeah, you. yeah. That'll 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 bite your head off. That's for sure. Um, and there was one other. Uh, oh, Cooper Stout. You can actually get here. You can also get some other Australian brands that you know the Evil Empire, which we won't mention. You know, we won't give them the benefit of exposure on this uh, on this radio program after the nastiness they tried to portray upon our beloved Coopers. But um, no, it is uh, it's home away from home. We got cricket on the TV the other night. The old 2020 game. It's just like being just like being back in Australia, except the weather's colder. <clears throat> It wouldn't be uh, a complete Radio Hot Lab show without a mention of something to do with barbecues. And, and here today in the, uh, in, the, in, the, in the paper, again, I mean, this paper has just been is full of stuff. There's uh, a, a bloke called uh, John Walsh. That's one way to put it, stuff. Stuff, John Walsh. And he's been looking for a New Year's resolution. He thought well, one which is achievable, inexpensive to maintain, and won't involve a hefty prison sentence. So he's decided <laughs> that he would go in search of the perfect steak. Oh well, he's got to go to Adelaide and go to Hardy's place. Right, that's you know, where you. That's. Well, I'm about to. I was about to send him an email about that, but then after reading uh, Catherine Townsend uh, sleeping around, time for a sexual sorbet, I thought. What? Well, she she uh, she said, look, you know, after you you know you've been going out with someone and you, and you need to, and you get, well you've got to go move on to the next person and. But you keep going back for the sex. You need a little sorbet in between, so you have sex with someone else, which cleanses the whole system, and you can move on to something else. So I actually sent her an email this afternoon saying, "Look, it made me laugh while I was having lunch, and would you like to join us on the show?" <laughs> so we haven't got her. We'll see whether she said we're going up to NEC Birmingham and going to be blah 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 and telling lies with racing cars. Right? So she so she might come along. Hopefully she will. She says, "Hopefully now I'm ready for the dessert." And I thought that's very honest. I don't know whether a column every week is called sleeping around, but if it, can you keep chatting, checking on that, or every day, can you check on that? Point? I'm staying well out of that and being, but John, being a single man like yourself, I'm sure you'd be right up for that. And I'm just doing lots of sorbet. <coughs> <coughs> anyway, listeners, please excuse my cold oh, that I yeah. uh, travelling the globe over the Christmas period. I've been kind of. While John has been continuing on his ramblings, I've been disappearing into the kitchen to kind of hack up half a lung, kind of thing. But uh, occasionally have to little <clears throat> during the show. Definitely a curry town here, mate. I, I, Definitely I stopped, a curry town. I, I went for a walk uh, today uh, down through Abbey Gate and ended up at the Lion and had a wonderful Madras curry. Uh, sorry, no, at the Fox, at, uh, and it was it was very very nice. The uh, the rice was absolutely perfect. Did you did you wear the Fox hat? <laughs> I did. Uh, chutney on the side, salad, and it was uh, a very, very nice uh, lunch for eight pounds. And I sat there in the uh, oh, esteemed royalty of the, of the of the little pub there by myself, reading the newspaper. And uh, that's why I've come back with all these all these stories today. Well, it's probably time to wrap it up. I think we'll keep it short because we, I think we're going to be coming back either tom- probably not tomorrow, but the day after, and we'll be absorbing and letting everyone else absorb what's going on with. Um, with Macworld, um, if you and the start of the start of the Autosport show, and the start of the Autosport show, I think we'll be doing something from Autosport on the Wednesday. But uh, just in the last minute, it's just come in to, to say that there could be Apple might release forty-two and fifty-inch plasma screens with 
um, a computer's inside. And my guess is, and I, I can tell you now, viewers, that we have not peeped and, and, and found out exactly what's on there. We have not brought up the Apple website. You haven't brought up the Apple website, have you? you no. You have. No. Well, we're dying to. As soon as we're offline here, we're going to be doing that. Um, so uh, do go and have a look at apple.com and we'll give you our assessment about what's going on. And there. of course, well, but, but, but seriously, what is your predictions? My, my, my predictions are that they, they probably will bring... Uh, I don't know about this big screen stuff, but I, I do reckon what they're going to do is they're going to bring out a, an updated Macintosh Mini, which is going to basically include, like, Front Row 2. And the Front Row is, is, is good, it was beautiful, and it was, but it was limited to the new G5 iMacs, and that was the only uh, product you could get it on. You couldn't install it or anything else. I think it was a little light-on, functionality-wise. <coughs> In fact, when... Um, when uh, one of Bill Gates's, um, uh, the guy who ran Bill Gates's, um, what's his name? His, I've got his name here. I was reading it just this, this week in the uh, in the Financial Times as I was coming across the plane. It was actually wasn't it? It was something I could read. Um, and uh, it uh, when Bill when Bill found out about Front Row, he rang his uh, his manager of the media division, who's been given a fair bit of. Um, Fair bit of, of rope to hang himself, um, and said, uh, "What does it say here, Mr. Bill Fiore, who runs the whole thing?" Um, that's right. At Microsoft Front Row is already causing ripples. Mr. Gates in an email to Mr. Bill Fiore asked why Apple's remote had six, just six buttons. The standard media remote on Microsoft says thirty-nine. That's because he explained. Front row computers don't have TV or digital video recorder functions and don't need as many buttons. Now, I'm sure you'll be able to get less than 39 buttons out of it, but that is quite true, that you were limited to the content that, uh, that you had on the machine. So I believe that you're going to get something updated in that specification, in that area. Uh, you're also going to see a new content delivery mechanism. Somehow, um, Apple is doing some upgrades. We know now that they said that the... Uh, um, uh, iMac, no, the Mac, Dot Mac um, systems would be down for five hours while they upgraded, and there was a uh, there was a bit of a snippet that there could be one terabyte of transfer provided to to each user. Per, what, what, now, what is a terabyte? A terabyte is a thousand gigabyte. That's a big chunk. Of that's change. a big chunk, which obviously means rich content, i.e., video. So mm -hmm. that's what I think. Uh, you're probably going to see then some some new tools, iLife and, and iWork. <coughs> I, I would imagine that it's going. Some these tools are going to make it a lot easier for you to be able to submit a podcast onto iTunes without having to know anything about XML or use a tool like Feeder to be able to create that XML. Um, I think that GarageBand, the audio tool, will probably have some integration with, with with that as well. And more than likely, we're going to see the introduction of maybe a mid-range 15-inch. Um, Intel PowerBook, possibly the dual-core Centrino chipset. Yeah, the Intel thing is certainly going to happen, and you know, there's been a lot of rumours kind of flying around, and you know, I think there's going to be some key things. You're going to see the um, Intel-powered um, um, Ibea, which is kind of like what you Ibea. saw. Ibea, kind of like what you saw in Japan. That kind of oh, yes. that, that automatically pours your uh, pours your beer, and of course the um, uh, the iCar, which is going to be the Apple flying car, which you will... Uh, <laughs> the Apple flying car, that's yes, right. Which, which, uh, which is obviously going to happen. No, but in, in all seriousness, the uh, I think one of the, one of the key things, um, and obviously Radio Hotlap viewers, listeners, readers, we're obviously um, members of the Mac faithful, but one of the 
one of the key things um, I think to their credit is the fact that you never know what's coming. Um, some of the other um, some of the other technology companies, Sony is one. You know, PlayStation Three, it's coming, it's coming, it's previewed, it's previewed, it's previewed. Well, Sony is, is definitely yeah, uh, yeah. fighting back from a big, uh, big yeah. uh, negative. When thing. is it going? When, when is the thing going to turn up? We've already got the Xbox Three Hundred and Sixty. When is yours going to actually arrive? Uh, and Microsoft is no different either. You know, uh, Windows Vista, like it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. Well. Guys, um, when can you get it? With the Apple stuff, it turns up at a keynote address at Macworld or a special address, and you can buy it today. You can order it today. Yes. There's none of this kind of. You, you can order it today. Look, remember that Macworld is an announcement. It, nothing ships on the day. Some will ship in the next few weeks, and it's always going to be constrained in one percent markets of the world, like Australia, which yeah. is very unfortunate. And we, you don't want to start even getting on a price parity. You know, between the nations, that we're going to turn this into a two-hour show. JP, you know, don't all about that. buy it in England. Don't buy it don't in England. Don't buy right. it in England. But I, I would say that you know, you're going to see, you're going to see stuff which is very much going to start to include the ability for video to be distributed um, uh, to the masses. That that would be my number one prediction uh, for. The real, I, th- I think the other real exciting thing is from a technology perspective is where we have gone in the last five years is staggering. Absolutely staggering. Where we're going to go in the next five years, I don't think anybody has any comprehension whatsoever as to what is going to be achievable. It's the time of convergence, but we've been saying, saying this for a while, but you know, convergence can only really happen when there's economy of scale. And all these technologies, uh, viewers, will, will actually um, trickle down into the world of motorsport. You know, you might think we're going off track here and talking about technology, but the fact of the matter is that, that you know, in-car cameras are, are technology which provide, uh, you know, the entertainment for everybody. And, and the, the means to be able to deliver this content is, is one of uh, Hot Lap's um, mandates, having, you know, researched this, this ability to deliver uh, rich and, and, and exciting real-time content over the last uh, five years. Uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things we just want to do and we, 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 we believe in that. So um, we'll, we'll be at the cutting edge of that to, to, to bring it to your homes and mobile devices in Australia. We like toys. We, yes. like, we like gadgets. We're gadget, we're gadget guys, you know. It's, it's kind of what we do. We do. And we'll be back in the next couple of days with a, uh, a new, another show. It won't, there you go. It won't be our, a, first, our first international um, international podcast. Porncast? The podcast. <laughs> Pod. Podcast. Oh, we talked last week about porn being very responsible for making this uh, whole uh, industry grow up. Well, uh, viewers, on that note, I'd uh, like to say thanks for listening and um, look, tell us what you think. Uh, people are starting to send in some interesting stuff to us. Um, at RadioHotLap.com uh, don't, be, don't be shy send a dollar or two if you want if you don't don't worry about it either you can send us a beer like, the, like, like, like Coopers do or some wine like Brayside does and we'd be very happy with that but we're just happy that you listen well uh, International Paulie look thanks for, for putting me up and, uh, pu- and putting up with me <coughs> you're very welcome Jennifer thank you you're welcome <laughs> and uh, last thing I suppose I'd like to say is um there is uh, really nothing more we can say about uh, poor, uh, poor old and dear Andy Caldicott. 
other than um, he has someone new to play with, with Richard Burns. Thank you.